Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Everyone who's 16 and over in California can now book COVID-19 vaccine appointments on the state's My Turn appointment system. The change went into effect last night. Many counties had already opened up appointments before the state system was updated. The eligibility expansion is expected to lead to a much greater demand for appointments, and there have been questions about vaccine supply with that increased demand. State epidemiologist Dr. Erica Pond addressed those concerns at a vaccine advisory committee meeting yesterday. We've been currently receiving around 2 million doses a week. Some of that, of course, is allocated to California, and then there's a lot of federal uh, doses that come into California as well. The allocation um, is supposed to be increasing in the near future. It is relatively flat for the next three weeks. State officials say manufacturing issues and the current pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine shouldn't severely affect efforts to ramp up vaccinations, as J&J doses have only accounted for about 4% of the total number of Californians who've been vaccinated. Vaccine supply isn't the only concern with expanded eligibility for vaccinations in the state. While that expansion is good news for millions of Californians who haven't qualified for the vaccine so far, there are questions about what it'll mean for the state's efforts to distribute shots equitably to communities hit hardest by the pandemic. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi spoke with Kieran Savage-Songwon, executive director of the California Pan-Ethnic Health Network, about those concerns. I really do think we need to double down on the equity um, strategies that we're using in California. Um, We're opening up eligibility at a time when we don't have sufficient supply for everyone, but we do expect to have sufficient supply in the coming weeks. And that's a good thing. That's something that we should all be really, um, I think, enthusiastic about at this point in time. But in order to make sure that the doses that we have right now, which, again, still are not enough for everyone who wants one or who's going to get vaccinated in the state of California, we really need to make sure that we continue that 40 percent allocation to the most vulnerable neighborhoods and that we continue these strategies around using trusted community messengers to provide accurate information, using community sites for distribution and making sure that our sites are accessible to all. What's been the biggest challenge when it comes to getting doses to these communities? So the biggest challenge is access, and that means a lot of different things. So one is making sure that people have access to accurate information about the vaccine. That includes the information about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. That also includes making sure that people know the vaccine is free of cost. Even if you are uninsured, even if you are undocumented, the vaccine is free of cost for all Californians. It's really important that people have that information so they can access the vaccine. It also means making sure that the vaccine is located and the vaccine distribution sites are located in communities that may have more difficulty traveling long distances to access it um, or that kind of thing. The governor has obviously faced a lot of pressure to open things back up in California. But even with numbers improving, do you believe he's forgetting about some of the people most impacted by the pandemic? 
Right. So you might remember that earlier in the pandemic, as we started to reopen county by county, the state instituted what they called an equity metric. And the purpose of that was to make sure that we didn't leave anyone behind as we reopened our economy, right? And basically what that did is make sure that we didn't have significantly more spread of the virus in low-income communities um, than in counties as a whole. And so we are really encouraging the state to utilize a similar criteria for the um, proposed June 15th date, right, to have a consideration of equity to make sure that low-income communities of color are being vaccinated at an adequate rate um, before we move forward with a reopening that otherwise would put those who haven't had the opportunity or haven't had access to be vaccinated at increased risk. That was Kieran savage Sangwan, Executive Director of the California Pan-Ethnic Health Network. Kieran, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. And that was the California Report's Keith Mizuguchi. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis from KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Restaurants in a dozen California counties have filed class action lawsuits seeking refunds for pandemic era business permits, licensing fees and late charges. Here's KQED's Rachel Myro with more. Restaurants have struggled to stay open or at least partially open amid a series of shutdown orders for more than a year now. But still, the fees from county and state agencies keep coming, adding up to tens of thousands of dollars, depending on the establishment. Brian Cabotac, the L.A.-based plaintiff's attorney, says these restaurants aren't questioning the shutdown orders. All we're saying is that that period of time that the restaurant couldn't operate or couldn't completely operate, they should get a portion of their permit fees back. It's just fundamentally fair. Cabotac says he's in talks with a couple of counties, but other county councils, like the one for Santa Clara County, call the suit meritless. Arguing health inspections have continued during the pandemic. Also, Santa Clara County has just enacted a fee relief measure. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. During this pandemic, lots of Americans have been kept afloat financially with the help of stimulus payments from the federal government, like the most recent one for $1,400. Just about every adult with a social security number who earns less than $75,000 a year qualifies for the stimulus. But for California's homeless who don't have a fixed address or perhaps no bank account, getting the stimulus money can be a challenge, especially if they didn't file taxes last year. At a homeless encampment, in Los Angeles, I met Jose Alvarez, who hasn't received any stimulus payments, although he's eligible. I was working and I got laid off and I didn't file for my income tax, but I worked previously before that, though. So I don't know if that's the situation. That's why I didn't get it or what. And I didn't know how I would go about uh, signing up for the stimulus checks. So you didn't file last year? No, I didn't. And if you got the funds, I mean, 
would it have a big impact on your life? Very impact, yeah. Life saving. And you could use it to do yeah. what? Buy food, clothes, your shelter, you know? And can I assume nobody's come out here to talk to you about this? I mean, nobody's approached nobody. you from... No, but you're the first person that approached me about this. You're the first. Yes, sir. Amber Murphy, who's also homeless, says it's difficult for people living on the streets to get information about stimulus checks and report problems getting them. Most people are not getting their stimulus checks because we don't have access to internet, uh, electricity. Uh, nobody's offering it to us. I mean, how are you supposed to do that stuff if you don't have access to electricity? So what would be kind of easy for other people to do? It's a real challenge. Yeah, it's, very, it's a big challenge because, I mean, the library's not even open. Where are we supposed to go and do this stuff? And then if you hook up to somebody's electricity, they call the cops on you. So Earlier this week, the California report reached out to the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, asking what officials are doing, if anything, to help qualified homeless people in L.A. get their payments. As of this morning, we haven't received an answer back. California could become the sixth state in the country to permanently send all voters a ballot in the mail for every election. Here's KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati. When lawmakers enacted universal vote-by-mail for the 2020 election, they said it would let Californians vote at home and avoid catching the coronavirus at the polls. Now they want to make the change permanent. And the goal is just to make it easier for Californians to vote. That's Bay Area Assemblyman Mark Berman, whose bill to send out ballots in all future elections gets its first hearing in the state assembly this morning. Especially while we see so many efforts in other states to make it harder for people to vote. Let's have California be a real example uh, of what works well. And universal vote-by-mail definitely worked well last year, if your goal was to increase voter participation, says Eric McGee with the Public Policy Institute of California. Most states in the U.S. saw a jump in voter turnout last year, but McGee found the biggest gains were made by states that mailed ballots to all voters by default. The most consistently positive effect um, that we find is mailing all voters a ballot. But Republican critics of the bill argue now that the health crisis is fading away, the all-male election should go with it. And even supporters of universal vote-by-mail admit it's not a recipe to increase turnout in all elections. Earlier this month, every voter in a San Diego assembly district was sent a ballot for a special election, and just 21 percent voted. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. And finally this morning... Move over NASA and SpaceX. After years of talking about it, California is going into orbit. The state has announced that in cooperation with research organizations, it will launch two satellites in 2023 to monitor pollutants that contribute to climate change. Specifically, the satellites will locate and track sources of carbon dioxide and methane from places like oil fields and dairies. $100 million contributed from philanthropic groups will be used to help launch and maintain the Golden State satellites. Former Governor Jerry Brown has talked about California launching its own satellites going all the way back to the 1970s. And that's the California Report for Thursday, April 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Please consider joining KQED and the nonprofit journalism venture Cal Matters for a special virtual event next week. As concerns around police accountability only continue to grow, we'll be co-hosting a virtual discussion about the future of campus policing with California college students, faculty, and campus administrators on April 21st at 6 p.m. 
You can register to attend and share your questions at kqed.org events. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. Water heaters only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at WaterHeatersOnly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone, everywhere. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.